Danielle DeVoe, and you are listening to Midtown Conversations. Today we have a special episode. We have been this summer digging through our archives and pulling out some old conversations that we had when we first started the station. So today we are going back to the summer of 2019. I found an excellent interview with Mike Morris conducted by Sean Gobi. And this is when Mike had first started running for the Green Party of Canada. He had knocked on 6,000 doors at this point in the campaign, which uh, given the number of doors he ended up going to over the two elections that he that he has run in so far, it uh, seems a quaint number, but at the time it seemed very impressive. And the thing that I really love about this is that it was our first season of Midtown Conversations, then called Midtown Conversations for Change. And we were interviewing guests at my dining room table. And you'll notice in the interview a lot of squeaking because everyone was sitting on our $2 chairs from Worth a Second Look, which as it turned out were not great interview chairs, not comfortable for two hour interviews and and not comfortable uh, and squeaky, definitely squeaky. So listen for that. And we joked after the interview that we should probably call it Creaky Chair Productions, which we never actually did. We just got better chairs for the interviews. And in this episode, we hear Mike talk about his time as a student at Wilfrid Laurier University, how he decided to found a company dedicated to sustainability and combating climate change, and what he hoped to achieve as a Green Party candidate for Kitchener Centre. He talks a lot about his desire to disrupt the partisanship of Canadian politics and to to get back to having good politics that's serving Canadians and, and, and listening to constituents, allowing their democracy to serve them. So I think it's a great conversation to, to listen to now that we've seen Mike in action out as an MP for Kitchener Centre. And I hope that you enjoy this little walk back into the archives to the summer of 2019. Welcome to Conversations for Change on Midtown Radio. I'm Sean Gobi and I'm here with Mike Morris. Uh, good to see you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, so what I wanted to start off with is that um, I first met you uh, back when you founded Sustainable Waterloo Region. And I'm curious to know, what was your background before then? What brought you to, to having this interest in sustainability? Well, it starts with Wilfrid Laurier. I was uh, doing a, a double degree there in business and computing and computer electronics, which means that a mix of writing business plans and building robots. And I was getting towards the end of my undergrad. I had done internships at places like BlackBerry and, and a few other tech companies and had come to a bit of a crossroads around a sense and an understanding of the, the, the challenge around the climate crisis and felt a bit out of place because uh, I had this business training. And so I remember that was, it was like 2007 or so and uh, others who had similar concerns around climate change seemed to all be global study students uh, or you know just different uh, faculties altogether. And, and so I, I felt like I was, how do I take this, this business background and how does this come together with, with this sense that, wow, this is a really important time that we were in. 
And also a time when I was just getting so disappointed with the lack of progress internationally and felt so disempowered um, around, you know, the change. I remember one of the COP uh, conferences, I was at a coffee shop, just kept uh, pressing F5 to refresh my browser. That was the only agency I had was, was how best can I follow along what, what they're doing. And so that's what then brought me and, and some friends just before we met, Sean, to, uh, to start writing a business plan, because that, that's what we were trained to do, right? And, and it's that business plan that ended up becoming Sustainable Waterloo Region. And the, the premise was pretty simple. It was, you know, businesses stand to benefit, right? We've talked about this so many times, of course. If they're going to reduce their energy consumption, they're going to save money. They're going to attract employees who have similar values. They're going to improve their brand. They're going to avoid policy risk. So the thinking was if they set targets and all the things that matter to them, well, and those are things like profitability and employee engagement, why aren't they setting targets on their carbon, their water, and their waste, right? Uh, so that was some of like the, mm-hmm. what brought us to that place of imagining something, something more. So... Imagining something more. Why something more that was really locally oriented? Ultimately, where we felt we had the most agency and that we felt this was a community that would really rally around it. And at the time, it felt so ambitious. Like, who are we? A couple of Laurier students in the corner of the School of Business, you know, writing up some kind of business plan where we imagined that you know, businesses across all of Waterloo Region would pay us money to voluntarily set targets to reduce their carbon. Again, this is also like in 2008, right, when we first started connecting uh, at the precipice of a recession. And so I think it was a mix of just how ambitious that felt, taking a business plan and bringing it to life across our community, and what I was sharing before about just feeling so disenfranchised from the, the, the political system at the time, that there was this sense among us of like, well, why can't we do something in Waterloo Region and what kind of ripple effects might that have? And, and I, I remember always saying like how much more fun it was to show up to a conversation with the volunteer team than to be hitting a five on my browser, you know? Like, <laughs> this was a place that we could actually get something done. And n- none of us were, uh, we didn't think we, we were gonna change the UN COP, uh, the, 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 the UN climate change process, but that we could actually have an impact of some kind across all of Waterloo Region, that felt wild to us at the time. Yeah, and, and rally they did. I'm wondering if you just wanted to tell the audience a bit about kind of how sustainable Waterloo Region evolved since, uh, since you co-founded it and what kind of happened since. Well, it, so it took us about a year uh, from, so I, I finished um, at Laurier the summer of 2008, and it took us until June of 2009 and that was everything from what, what we did together around, around getting the, the rules around how businesses would set targets to, to raising the money and all of the rejection that preceded that. Um, and ultimately, though, 
It was this community coming together. It was over $200,000 we raised in the midst of a recession from a mix of corporate sponsors and grantors. It was the three companies that joined us from day one. It was the dozens of volunteers. It was everything from local media to local politicians that just really rallied around, well, yes, this is the economy of the future, and this is actually where we can create a competitive advantage for our community. And yeah, within five years, from 2009 to early 2014, we went from those first three companies to dozens of companies that were employing 14% of the workforce, everything from the Mennonite Central Committee to Kuntz Electroplating, from insurance to accounting, uh, that had set targets that were equivalent to 12,000 cars off the road every year. And we started to see the mix of those early adopters that were keen to be the first ones out, and then also some of that pressure where if you had, when we had six or seven of the 10 biggest insurance companies, well, you go to the annual event and the record would show up and the questions we'd get would be, well, where's that other really big one? And, and that's where the expectation, that's to me, think about like the tipping points and the ripple effects, like that's where expectations started to shift. That if you're a, a you know a major employer in Waterloo Region, you're not just showing up to the events, but you're actually working towards setting targets alongside others. And this is actually why I remember one of the bigger accounting firms that joined early on. Uh, the managing partner of the firm said to me, "Well, I got him. I got you know, you know the the top accountants coming out of Laurier are asking me for this. I want to differentiate our firm. If talent is ultimately our competitive advantage." I want to be ahead of that. And the number of firms that rallied around it in that way, and the number of people that rallied around it in that way, um, it's when I first started to learn how ours, how tight-knit Water of the Region is. This whole sense, like all the talk of barn raising and all the rest, those five years, I got to live an experience with so many friends where we together saw in action how our community is so strong at rallying together. We're so tight-knit. We're so willing to dream and then follow through. Like that, It's this mix of the barn raising and the entrepreneurial spirit that I think really came together and has in so many examples. And sustainable Waterloo Region and taking action on climate change across our community, whether it was you know those, those businesses part of that hub, whether it's our first climate change action plan, or you know Evolve One. Uh, Canada's first ever net energy positive building, uh, multi-tenant, that just opened in the, the research and tech park, right outside of an ion station. These are the kinds of dreams I saw our community rally around. So the day that we're recording, uh, we have now had ion service running for one week. We mm. are recording here in Midtown, so the ion stops are running right through here, going up to research and technology park and beyond but with that evolve one building that you'd mentioned before the break um and it i wonder you know given that for for a region our size mm -hmm. we're really ahead of the curve in ontario for having this light rail system mm -hmm. and um you know, we have it before hamilton has one london has one ottawa has one yeah. um do you have a sense of of what it is that we've learned or we've done here as a region that really could be shared with the rest of Canada? Well, so first, not only is it is it the fact that ION is running, 
But it was the process that we went through together, including the one-third of the funding that we locally put in, which I guess is partly why it, it happened here earlier than others, but it's also why it was such a community conversation through the two different, you know, both in 2009 and 2011, that um, put us collectively in a position where we had to rally as a community. And I remember the delegations where we had everything from the Chamber of Commerce to TriTag, Sustainable Waterloo Region, you name it, coming together around these shared goals, right? Is this is both economic, it's uh, around the social fabric of our community, it's around the sustainability of our community. It was recognizing together that if we already knew we were in the places to grow act, it was more of a question of how is it we'd like to grow. And so I guess one of the things that's different is, is this is my experience in Waterloo Region, is that we would prefer to get ahead of that and ensure that, that, that we're setting the course and that we're able to do it in a way that, um, that finds that shared, that shared interest and those, those common goals across so many people and so many different groups. This is an appetite that doesn't seem like it would be just confined to our community. Um, where, where else have you seen this appetite for people to want to get ahead and, and what is the, the learning from Sustainable Waterloo Region that's, that's gone well, elsewhere? I can speak at least to my own experience, yeah. which is that once we had you know, that number of businesses across sectors that were, and it was, it was financially breaking, it's a, it's a social enterprise, so other communities started to come to us and say, what is going on in Waterloo Region? Uh, businesses are voluntarily taking action on climate change. They're paying you to do it. You're creating some kind of a, like a low-carbon economy across this community. And so communities around the world started coming to us saying, hey, could we, could we do that too? And, and so, you know, again, there's so many other examples I'm thinking right now of Paul Bourne and Vibrant Communities as, as one of you know, just dozens and dozens where uh, we've tested something out here. And as a result of some of the, the progress we've made, then been able to share that. Because the idea of businesses coming together in a community to take action on climate change, that's not Waterloo Region specific. That, and we learned that over the next five years uh, this is where I spent my time, was in working with communities from Sudbury to Kingston to Ottawa to take what we had learned in Waterloo Region and help them go further and faster. And by the time we got to places like Sudbury, how powerful. We ended up having you know, First Nation communities alongside mining companies, alongside hotels. You know, a different diversity in those other economies that then we learned something from them and brought it back to Waterloo Region. Um, that seems like a real sense of, of humility going into trying to, to make that change. Well, I remember the board meeting when we, we um, it was, it was I, I brought it to the board because other communities started to come to us. And so I increasingly was on the phone on the weekends with groups in Niagara, Hamilton, Vancouver. And I was actually starting to feel a bit guilty because my time and energy was going into these other communities and I was the leader of Sustainable Waterloo Region. And I remember really clearly it was our board chair, who was one of my old uh, research advisors, Barry Colbert at Wilfrid Laurier. And Barry said to me, because well, I brought the question, like, should we continue supporting them or just focus on strengthening the progress we're trying to make in Waterloo Region? 
at the time, Barry said to me, like, it's not a matter of weather. Like, climate change is not a local challenge we're facing. So the question he reframed it was all about how do we share it? And, it, and, and that, that then became the next business plan that led to creating Green Economy Canada. Um, and ultimately, I think everybody benefited because both Sustainable Waterloo Region became stronger as we learned from other communities and were part of a larger network. And, you know, fast forward another five years and now there's eight. Uh, London is just the most recent to launch Green Economy London just a few months ago. Um, and, and so I'm not sure if it was humility so much as just a recognition back to that the early uh, questions I raised uh, about, you know, this isn't just a community level challenge. Uh, that, um, yeah, there's real possibility when we actually share what we've learned here um, and learn from that uh, together. You've recently made the big decision of uh, running for federal politics. Mm -hmm. Um, Why now? Well, left Green Economy Canada at the end of November of last year. And at the time, I actually was open to what might come next in life and spent about a month in a, in a time of reflection. And over the course of that month, the most recent International Panel on Climate Change report uh, came out and it was pretty clear the urgency of the climate crisis, while also we, we've had a number of economists warning us about both the, the cost of uh, of insurance uh, losses, for example, 1.9 billion in, in 2018. Uh, the mix of the 48% of Canadians are, that are on the brink of financial insolvency. And what we're really seeing now, which is we've got 12 years to cut emissions in half if, if we are to, um, uh, to, to provide a future for the next generation that uh, that uh, is you know prosperous for them and so ultimately for me it became about listening to what scientists and economists indigenous leaders and young people are telling us which is that well yes this actually is a climate emergency and yes this is a pivotal moment we are living in and i personally looked at the options on offer uh, politically and felt like, well, maybe it's time that we be more honest about what is required. And that maybe, yeah, if, you're, if you look at it, at the, at the, the pace that is required, that, that what's on offer doesn't seem to meet that science. And so for me, it, it just felt like this was an important moment to, um, to, to step in and take what I've done before, whether it's rallying people together, um, sharing a, a message, uh, this this feels very transferable to um, the campaign that I'm I'm now in, and so ultimately for me the reason I'm running is I just felt like it's time we be honest about what uh, those scientists are telling us and provide options that rise to meet the scale of of the of, of the challenges that we're that we're facing. So you are running for the Green Party of Canada. Federally, the Greens have never won a seat in Ontario and certainly not in Waterloo Region. Um, why decide to run with the Greens and what makes you think you can win? So 
let me be uh, super clear. I am not doing this to make a statement or to give people in Kitchener Center the option to vote green. We don't have the luxury of that time to kind of build whatever you know political language you want to use to get ready for the next time. This is about bringing to Ottawa voices and representing Kitchener Center in a way that is honest about uh, the, uh, the policy that is required and the leadership, the political courage that is required. And so, if this is actually about winning, the context I look at is that, first of all, we're seeing uh, Greens win across the country. We saw it with Mike Schreiner in Guelph last June, in BC, holding the balance of power uh, even earlier than that, PEI just a few months ago, Greens are now the official opposition, and in Nanaimo with the by-election just about a month ago. And I also saw how people like Mike in Guelph were doing politics a bit differently, that they actually were putting people ahead of the politics. And one of the reasons why I chose to run Green is first, the values of the party are my values. And so it's so important to me that I can move through this process with my integrity intact. And so not having any kind of political calculation, this is about the values of nonviolence, sustainability, respect for diversity, participatory democracy. And so for me, those are my values and Greens do not have whipped votes. And so should I have the privilege of representing Kitchener Center in Ottawa, I can and will represent the priorities we're hearing from people across Kitchener. That there isn't that party line that I can hide behind. And I think that when I've been talking with people across Kitchener and speaking with Mike and others that have won across the country, that's been really appealing to so many people that feel so disenfranchised with politics writ large or with the hyper-partisan nature that gets in the way of just reasonable conversations. And so I think this is possible because first, I see what's happening across the country. The polls are now showing that 45% of Canadians are open to voting green. People we're speaking with and I'm speaking with at the door, it's even higher. And so at a time when the options on offer seem to be insufficient, people across the country have and are open to voting green, this is just a moment to step into where we can say this time around in Kitchener Center specifically, you could actually mobilize and vote for what you're wanting, for what you're for this time around. And we're putting in, the onus is on us as a campaign, and we have been for the last five months putting in the people power and the financial resources and the message that we can actually win. And ultimately what that, what that means is showing up. <laughs> the, the, the amount of people that I've spoken with when I get to their door and they say, you're actually the guy in the cart? And you're here? At, well, of course I'm here at your door. This is what representation is supposed to be about. If I didn't show up, And if I didn't ask what's important to you, how would I ever aspire to represent you? And so that's to me the mix of the the, the optimism I hold today for what's coming up 
is the mix of the response that I'm hearing from people, the work that we're putting in, the 500 people that came out to the launch party, the 200 plus that have offered to be part of the team, the 85% of a fully funded campaign in June. And so that is a mix of the way that we are showing up in this campaign, the way our community has always rallied, and the timing we find ourselves in around this particular election being a time where, well, the status quo isn't working, there seems to be a real openness to a different option. So let's, let's make the most of that moment. So Mike, you've, you've talked quite a bit about listening. What have you been hearing at the door and hearing in your conversations around the riding? So we've been doing this, whether it's at the launch party or at a seedling sale, multicultural fest. We've got our booth. It's got a, a bit of a dot-mocracy exercise on it where we put up 16 priorities and ask people with three dots to be marking their top three. At the door, we've been just asking, what's important to you? And across that, for from those conversations, we are going to, as a campaign over the course of the summer. And yes, the Green Party will also have a, a fully costed platform expected in September. For our campaign, in addition, in Kitchener Center, we're gonna come back at that time and share here is the top five to nine priorities we're hearing the most from people. And we're not in a place, I don't think we've had enough, we've probably done maybe 6,000 doors or so now. We've maybe had about 25 of these smaller group kitchen conversations. I can share from that to give you a bit of a sampling of some of the things we're hearing about. There are things like a stronger focus on pharmacare and mental health. If we were to prioritize and be more proactive around healthcare, how might that actually save us money over the long term? Of course, there's a ton of people concerned about housing. And this is both, I'm hearing this from um, kind of middle, middle class across Kitchener who are saying, well, okay, if house prices have gone up 50% in the last four years, well, I can speak to my own experience. I bought a, a part of a house on Cherry Street seven years ago. If I tried to buy that same house today, I couldn't afford it. The number of people who feel that same way there is a real sense of concern while wages stagnate and house prices go up to that extent. While there's also a deep concern across our community, whether it's related to uh, low-income people in our community, whether it's related to uh, refugee resettlement, the opioid crisis, if you're on disability support, if you're putting 90% or more of your income into your housing, how does that or to what extent does that become the root cause of so many other challenges that so many people that are marginalized in our community are facing? And so there are so many people who are, who've been sharing with us that if we could meaningfully rise above and tackle that housing and not just reallocate funds, but prioritize and more deeply invest in housing as another example, that that would actually fundamentally bring our community closer together. I was at one of the lines from the House of Friendship AGM recently is that addiction is not the opposite of sobriety. It's the opposite of human connection. And so that, I can go on. You know, if the rest of us, the climate emergency continues to come up, indigenous reconciliation, uh, transit, I mentioned earlier, 
electoral reform, the number of people that, that are disappointed and to some extent totally disenfranchised by the lack of representation they feel in our democracy. That's just a sampling of what we've started to hear. Um, and that's, again, what we're going we're gonna to come together and you can expect it. I'd expect in August at some point we'd be able to come back and feel like we've heard and listened sufficiently to a wide enough cross-section to feel confident to say, well, this is ultimately, again, should I have the privilege to represent Kitchener Centre? These are the items that across Kitchener Centre there's the most um, desire for strong representation on. That was Sean Gobi interviewing Mike Morris in the summer of 2019, while Mike was a first-time candidate for the Green Party in Kitchener Centre. I hope you've enjoyed our little foray back into history and enjoyed hearing some of the stories that we were engaged in back in 2019 when we founded the station and when we developed a mandate to engage everyday community members in conversation about the things that really mattered to them. You're listening to Midtown Radio. My name is Danielle DeVoe and I hope to be back next week with more interviews from the archives. Thanks for listening.